don't know what God's wanting to do tonight. I just work here. This is his house. Amen. We're just going to see what God has for us tonight. Two places I want you to turn. Second um, Chronicles 1 and Proverbs 1. Second Chronicles 1 and Proverbs 1. When you find your place, stand with me please. I've got a lot of notes, but I don't think it's going to be a long message. I'm just going to run through this and ask God to help us. Started a series um, last month, I guess it was. Might have been in October. I can't remember. I'm losing track of time. Is anybody else beside me losing track of time? Can you believe Christmas is almost here? But we started a series on Wednesday night, and somehow or another with all the different events and different things, it just somehow or another it got, got uh, postponed, but we're going to pick back up tonight with part three of the series, Give Me Now Wisdom. And uh, it came from uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 1, where we got the name for the series, what we've been looking at. Verse 7, And that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Verse 10, here's his request. God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Here's his request. Verse 10, Give me now, wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this, thy people, that is so great. Father, help us tonight, I pray. As we look at the scriptures, open it up to us. Do what only you can do in hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. In the first message, several weeks ago, we looked at Proverbs chapter 4, where twice the Bible uh, tells us to get wisdom. And we looked at the admonition, just a quick review. We looked at the admonition of this, uh, to get wisdom. Get wisdom, the Bible says, with all thy getting, get wisdom. That's in there several times in Proverbs chapter four. We looked at, secondly, we looked at the availability of wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Now, therefore, get wisdom. God would not have told us to get wisdom if it was not available to us, it's available. And I don't think a lot of us realize that it is. But then thirdly, we looked at James chapter one, verse five, the access. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. The access to wisdom is asking God for it. Tonight, we're going to look at the fourth point, which is the third message in this series we're going to look at the appraisal of wisdom. The appraisal. Everybody in here has an opinion, an evaluation that they've placed on this matter of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter number one, which is where we're going to be looking at this evening for this message, I want to begin by saying it's imperative that we as Christians fully appreciate just how important Wisdom really is. 
By the way, God has a pretty strict policy about giving things of value to those that do not appreciate it. In Matthew 7, 6, Jesus said, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. And so I believe tonight that it would be safe for us to say, God is not going to give wisdom to a person that does not think that it is necessary or that it is important or doesn't place a high premium on the importance of wisdom. As I said earlier, everybody in here has already done an appraisal on wisdom. I think we can honestly say and be biblical in saying this, that your appraisal of wisdom is going to be directly reflected in how many times you've prayed for it. (laughs) If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. But I think we got a lot of people and their verse would be like this. If you lack wisdom and you're okay with lacking wisdom, then just forget about it. But if you have a high appraisal on wisdom and you realize you need it and you don't have it, you're going to ask God for it. I want to go on record tonight saying, I ask God for wisdom every day of my life. It's on the prayer sheet that we just passed out. It's literally on the prayer sheet we just passed out. Pray for pastor and the Shifted family for health and wisdom and power. When's the last time you prayed for wisdom? What's the price tag? What is your appraisal on wisdom tonight? How happy and content are you to live your life without it? So Proverbs is written by Solomon. The character that we just read about in 2 Chronicles 1, who when God gave him, what, ask what you will. What is your request? He says, give me now wisdom. And then you get to Proverbs chapter number one. And what's he start this book out with? What's he start the chapter out with? To know wisdom. All right. So we're going to look at several things in this chapter tonight and break down this appraisal of wisdom. Because God was impressed with Solomon because he understood just how significant wisdom was in his life. And he said in Proverbs 4, get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is not the cherry on top. Wisdom is not the sprinkles on top. Wisdom is the principal thing. First of all, I want to notice this evening the recognition of wisdom in Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 2. The proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. That word to know means to perceive, to find out, to discern, to distinguish, to know by experience. That's what the word know means in verse number 2. To know Wisdom. It's essential as Christians that when God puts pearls of wisdom in our path, that we recognize it for what it is. It is important, young people, that when you see wisdom and you understand wisdom, that you recognize it for what it is. It's important that we do not dismiss godly wisdom as opinion or philosophy or ancient methods or as the new catchphrase is, traditions. 
Tradition. That's just tradition. That's just their way of doing it. That's the IFB way. That's the independent Baptist way. That's just that old preacher's mentality. That's how he was brought up. That's how he was raised. That's just what they think. You know, one of the secrets is knowing wisdom when you see it. Solomon's desire was for his son to know wisdom and to perceive the words of understanding. It's essential for us, for our family, and for our church to recognize wisdom. We must hunger for it. We must long for it. We must pray for it. We must reach for it. We must appreciate it when God gives it to us. And the key to recognizing wisdom is being able to recognize foolishness. That's deep, isn't it? I mean, verse 20 says wisdom is crying in the streets. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. We, going back to that availability, the access, it's there. Amen. Wisdom is crying in the streets. But guess what else is crying in the streets? Yeah. Foolishness. Yeah. There's literally a yelling contest in the street. Wisdom's crying. Foolishness is crying. And God's people need to be able to discern which is which. Wisdom's crying in verse 20. But look at verse 10 and 11. My son of sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us. Let us lay wait for blood. Let us work privately for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down to the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot. Among us, let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. Wisdom is crying in the street, but so is foolishness crying in the street. We need to understand the difference and choose the path of wisdom and not the way and the path of foolishness and the fools. For their feet run to Evil, verse 16, and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood, and lurk privately for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Foolishness is crying in the streets. Foolishness has a path. Foolishness has a way. Wisdom also has a path. Choose the path of wisdom. In order to do that, you've got to be able to differentiate between the two. When I was preaching Brother Jeff Brown's a few weeks ago, it's in the mountains of North Carolina. When I say the mountains, I mean some of those roads are so curvy that when you turn the curve, you can read your own tag. That's how curvy the roads were. I saw my own taillights, Brother Larry. It was curvy. We're up in the mountains, and we're going up and down these hollers and around these valleys. And, of course, Brother Eric was with me. He's in California right now, but Brother Eric was with me. And, and I'm watching my GPS, and all of a sudden, my GPS just stopped. It just blanked out. I've never been to that church before. Didn't know where I was. You know what I did? I pulled off to the side of the road. And right when I pulled off on the side of the road, there was, a, there was a Y in the road. And I pulled off to the side, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know which road to take. We got to wait for the satellite to orbit the earth again so my GPS can pick the signal back up. We're in the middle of nowhere. No cell signal, no GPS. And I didn't know where I was, so you know what I did? I stopped. 
And I sat on the side of the road for about five, six, seven, eight minutes. I was saying all kinds of really kind things about the technology that I had. At my fingertips, that was absolutely worthless. I said, I don't know where I'm going. These GPSs have made dummies out of all of us, haven't they? And I said, I'm not, I'm not going. I said, sure as the world, if I go straight, I'm supposed to take that road right there. And I have no desire to drive five or ten miles in the wrong direction and trying to come back. So I pulled off on the side of the road. A few minutes later, he said, he said, I got a bar. I said, I got two bars. We sounded like two mafia kings talking about our, our saloons that we own. I got two bars. How many bars you got? I got three bars. <laughs> Finally, finally, it woke up. It came out of its sleep. And guess what? That was the road I was supposed to take. Here's my point. Stay with me. All that was for a reason. If you're here tonight and you're on the wrong road, <laughs> stop and turn around. If you're on the wrong road in your marriage, stop. Stop going. Turn around. Take the other path. If you're here tonight and you're on the wrong road with your children and with your family, stop and turn around. If you're here tonight and you're on the wrong road in your relationship with Christ, stop, turn around and get wisdom. And if you're here tonight and you're not saved, you are definitely on the wrong road. Stop. Get on the right path. We see the recognition of wisdom. Then secondly, we see the receptiveness to wisdom. Verse 3. He said to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. So verse 2 says, I want you to be able to recognize it. I want you to know it. Know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding. I want you to recognize it when you see it. Recognize it when you hear it. Then I want you to receive it. Verse 3. Receive the instruction of wisdom. The sad reality is that many people recognize wisdom, but they're not receptive to it. It doesn't tickle their fancy. Their stubborn pride is hindering them from acknowledging that the wisdom being offered is what they need. Hell will be filled with people that knew the truth, but they allowed their lost friends, they allowed their unsaved family members and friends to, to, to intimidate them and to suppress them from accepting the truth of the wisdom. And they walked in foolish paths knowing the truth. Knowing the truth. Solomon's desire was for his son to know wisdom, recognize it, and receive it. The Bible is very plain, very clear. Only a fool will recognize wisdom and then reject it. He gives a list of four valuable assets in verse 3 that we should be receptive to. The instruction of wisdom. That's being right in our perception. The instruction of justice. That's being right in our practice. The instruction of judgment that's being right in our process. And the instruction of equity that's being right in our position. It's all right there in verse 3. To receive the instruction of wisdom, 
to receive the instruction of justice, to receive the instruction of judgment, receive the instruction of equity. That's what it's talking about in verse number three. Receptive, receptive. Thirdly, we see the results of wisdom. In verse number four and following, notice the results of those that recognize and receive wisdom. Here's what he says, this will happen when you recognize it and you receive it. It'll give subtly to the simple. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase in learning. And a wise man, a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation and the words of the wise and their dark sayings. I read those verses right there numerous times this afternoon. And guess what I had to conclude? Dr. Bittner, I had to conclude that you and I need wisdom in order to hear wisdom. Verse number five, a wise man will hear. A wise man will hear wisdom. We need a measure of wisdom to recognize wisdom. We need a measure of wisdom to hear wisdom. We need a measure of wisdom to be able to differentiate between wisdom and foolishness. Hmm? Look what he says. We need wisdom in order to attain unto wise counsels. He says to hear wisdom, to increase learning, a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. We need wisdom in order to attain unto wise counsel. A wise person will attain unto wise counsel, but you need a measure of wisdom to be able to take the wisdom of the counsel that you're getting. Is this making any sense? He goes on and says to understand a proverb and the interpretation. This is what wisdom will give you. It'll give subtly to the simple. It'll give the young man knowledge and discretion to be able to understand the proverb and the interpretation. You want to know why we got so many false doctrines? You want to know why there's so many cults and false teachings out there today? People that lack wisdom are trying to interpret the scripture. <laughs> and they're coming up with unbiblical and foolish interpretations. We need God's wisdom in order to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. That dark sayings means just difficult, hard, deep things. We need wisdom to be able to discern the scriptures. So we need wisdom, Brother Adriel, in order to hear wisdom. We need wisdom in order to attain unto wise counsel. We need wisdom in, in order to understand wisdom and to interpret the words of the wise. It's almost like there is a exponential increasing of wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, so there's people that have none. And there's people that have a lot. Somewhere in the middle, they had the right, they had the right appraisal of wisdom. And when they saw it and they heard it, they grabbed a hold of it and they increased in wisdom. And then they was able to get some more. Then they was able to get some more and they was able to get some more. And the more they valued it and the more they wanted it and the more they prayed for it, the more they got. So we see the results of wisdom. But then fourthly, we see the rejection of wisdom. Look at verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I begin to read the latter part of chapter number one, some sobering verses. Look at verse 20. Wisdom crieth without, 
She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying. We'll give you five things quickly. First of all, we see the delight of the fool. You ready? How long, verse 22, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? Now notice the contrast in verse number four. Wisdom gives subtlety to the simple. We were all simple to start with. And God opened our eyes. God opened our understanding. God opened our heart. And God began to give us wisdom. And the more we received it, and the more we allowed him to give us wisdom, the more we were able to get, and the more we were able to get. But you've got this group of people that reject wisdom because they love simplicity. They're simple, and they love simplicity. You could preach a whole message on things sinners love. One of them is simplicity. Another one is men love darkness. They love their own selves. They're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You can make a whole list of things that lost people love. They love all the wrong things. But could you imagine being a fool and loving it? Wisdom's crying in the street. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. And fools hate knowledge. We see the delight of the fool. They love simplicity. They love scorning. They love stupidity. They hate wisdom. They hate it. They hate knowledge. That, that's, that's exemplified when Stephen was preaching, they stopped up their ears. Huh? We don't want to hear it. We like being ignorant. We like being simple. We like not knowing the truth. They stopped up their ears so they wouldn't have to hear the man of God that the Bible tells us, no, listen, three times was filled with the Holy Ghost preaching the truth. They were pricking their hearts. They stopped up their ears. You say, preacher, I don't, I've never said in church, stop up my ears. You are if you walk out without receiving it. It's the, same, it's the same difference. When God blesses you with truth and you don't accept it, the Bible says that's a fool. So we see the delight of the fool in verse 22. I was reading in 2 Peter 3, 5, Brother Brett, where he said in the last days, scoffers in the last days are willingly ignorant. Is everybody still with me? They're ignorant on purpose. They have a will. And they exercise their will to stay in simplicity. As far as I'm concerned, anybody that, that says they believe in evolution fits this description right here. It takes more faith to believe we evolved from a monkey than it does that there is a designer, God Almighty, that created us in his own image. They're willingly ignorant. They refuse to consider the truth that is in front of them. Put more faith in carbon 14 
dating methods. <laughs> Scientists in the lab several years ago dated, carbon-14 dated a living mollusk. And the results were that it had been dead for millions of years. <laughs> I like the accuracy of that testing method. Big bang. A huge, a huge explosion out of space exploded. And we have what we have today. All these beautiful trees and mountains and rivers and fish and, and animals and people was the result of an explosion. How many explosions have we seen in the last thousand years? And have any of them ever created anything? <laughs> well, where did that big bang come from, sir? Well, there was this dot. Everything came from this dot. Well, that's a crowded dot. <laughs> I wonder if they care to explain where the dot came from. They can't believe that God pre-existed, but that dot has always been there. I got you, buddy. Woohoo! Yes, sir. How do you know that man's millions of years old? We found his bones over here in this layer of rock. We found his bones in this strata of rock. And that's how we know he's millions of years old. Well, how do you know how old that rock is? Because it was surrounded by these bones that are millions of years old. Gotcha, buddy. Makes sense to me. Fools love simplicity, hate knowledge. You get mad, you start talking about God created the heavens and the earth. We see the delight of the fools. Then we see, secondly, in verse 23, down through verse 25, we see the disregard of the fools. He says in verse 23, turn you at my reproof. This is wisdom talking, by the way. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make known my words unto you because I've called. And you refused. Stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you've said it naught, all my counsel. And would none of my reproof. The disregard of the fool. He would say it like this down south. You argue with a sign and take the wrong road home. Wisdom is saying, stop. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't live like that. Don't get involved in that. Don't run with those people. Don't get in that path and disregard everything that wisdom says. But thirdly, we see the distress of the fool. In verse number 26, God said, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will laugh at your calamity. How ironic is it that one day, look at me, God is going to scoff the scoffers. One day God's going to scorn the scorners. One day God's going to laugh at the laughers. Oh, my goodness. The distress 
I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. And your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then will they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. The distress of the fool. What a terrible thing it is to disregard wisdom. What a horrible thing it is to ignore wisdom, to disregard the wisdom that God has made available to just say, no, I'm not doing it. And then one day when you're crashing and burning, it's too late. Fourthly, we see the despising of the fool. Verse seven, fools despise wisdom. Solomon said, Lord, if I could have anything, I want wisdom. He said in Proverbs 4 twice, get wisdom. With all thy getting, get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. But a fool despises wisdom. Look at verse 29. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my proof, reproof. These are people that will sit in church when the preacher's preaching and they know in their heart of hearts that what he's preaching is the truth and instead of receiving it and incorporating it in their life and believing it and letting God work, letting God change, they get mad, they get upset. They leave gritting their teeth. That's a fool. That's what happens when you reject Wisdom. They despised all my reproof. They didn't appreciate God's efforts to enable and enrich their lives with his wisdom. You know, when I was sitting on the side of the road in the backwoods of North Carolina, Lansing, North Carolina, I was aggravated when my GPS was not working. How much sense would it have made for me to get mad when it came on? To tell me which road to take. Take that road. My goodness, I don't want to take that road. I don't want to go that way. How much sense would that have made? And yet we got people every day of their life doing that with God. I don't want to go that way. I don't want to live that life. I don't want to take your wisdom and your knowledge and, and, and let it give me a great life and a happy life and a blessed life. I want to go that way. I want to go, I want to take the road where the bridge is out. Proverbs 23, 9 says, Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Another place the Bible says, Answer not a fool according to his folly. Don't even answer him. Proverbs 17, 16 says, Wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom, seeing he hath no heart to it? We're talking about, we're talking about the appraisal of wisdom tonight. A fool places no value on wisdom. Number five, lastly, we're done. We see the destruction of the fool in verse 31. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way, and be filled with their own devices. Listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very carefully. 
The worst thing God can do to a person is let them have their own way. That is the worst punishment that God can give a person on this, on this side of hell is let them have their own way. That's what you want to do? Go ahead. Go ahead. You didn't listen? Go ahead. They drive off smiling, grinning. Hey, I got to do what I want to do. I get to do what I want to do. I ain't going to listen to nobody. That's my own life. I know what I want to. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 here comes the rough bumps and the, and the potholes right over the cliff. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own hand or their own way and be filled with their own devices. Is this what you want? Okay. Okay. Go ahead. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But the chapter concludes with a very great verse. I mean, verse 31 and 32 paints a horrible picture. They disregarded God and they suffered for it. They laughed at wisdom and they suffered for it. They said it not all of his counsel and they suffered for it. They hated knowledge and reproof and they suffered for it. They chose not the fear of the Lord and they suffered for it. They shall eat of the fruit of their own way. They'll be filled with their own devices. They turned away and are slain for it. But verse 33, whoso hearkeneth unto me. Who's talking? Wisdom's still talking. Whoso hearkeneth unto me, wisdom shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. <laughs> I hope tonight we leave here with a greater appraisal of wisdom. Young people need it. Children need it. Teenagers need it. Young married couples need it. Parents need it. Young parents, middle-aged people, senior citizens. Old people need wisdom. We all need wisdom. I wonder tonight with our heads bowed, eyes closed, altars open. I wonder if there'd be somebody here tonight say, Pastor Schiff, that I needed this message. I've been reminded that I've not been playing a, putting a very high price tag on wisdom. I'm listening more to the wisdom of the world the wisdom of my friends and my peers, but I've not really cherished and valued the wisdom of God. Don't raise your hand. Just get up out of your seat and come to the altar. There's folks praying all over the altar tonight. There may be somebody here tonight say, Pastor Shifflett, I'm not sure if I died right now that I would go to heaven. The quartet sung a salvation song. God impressed my heart to sing that song about he can wash you as white as snow. And then the message tonight out of Proverbs chapter number one describes those unsaved people that turn their back on the wisdom of God, choose their own way. There may be somebody here and I say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I, I, I can't say for sure that I'm saved. Pray for me. Pray for me. Right where you're at with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just quietly slip your hand up where I can see it. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure. Pray for me. Anybody, anywhere? Pray for me, preacher. Hold it up where I can see it. I see that hand. You can put it down. Listen, don't let those around you discourage you or stop you tonight 
from listening to wisdom is crying in the street tonight. Wisdom is crying in this church tonight. We would love to take a Bible and pray with you. We would love to open up the scriptures and take a few minutes and show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure. Would you allow us to do that tonight? Would you let us do that tonight? It'd be our greatest honor to help you get that settled tonight.